Pastor Marty asked me to minister uh, this morning, uh, I said, that's fine, my mind's full of sermons. And I have an unusual mind where at any one time I have at least a half a dozen sermons flying around. That's just the way I am. And uh, at those moments when I have nothing too good to think about, I normally draw on one of those messages or I might see something or read something and it kind of adds. And my problem's never been finding something to preach on. Rather, my problem's always been knowing what to eliminate in terms of what I want to preach on. And this morning, I want to just share on something that's been buzzing around in my mind now for quite a few months. I want to explore living in two worlds. You know, we live in the physical, natural world. That's where we are this morning. That's our daily life. And then, of course, we live in the spiritual world. And I want to share from God's word how we can manage both worlds and how we can live in both worlds. For some time, I've been occupied with the challenge of living in the natural world and the spiritual world, living in two worlds. We live in two worlds. And I'd like to bring a number of messages, if the opportunity comes, that would help us understand, would help us manage, and would help us interact with the natural world and the spiritual world. Already floating around, I have messages this morning I want to speak on God's trade-offs. And then I'd like to maybe, if the opportunity came, speak on walking on water, seeing men as trees, the five porches, and the hand of God. But this morning I want to look at God's trade-offs, God's trade-offs. And I'd like you to turn to Isaiah 61, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 3. When Isaiah was touched with holy fire, the words that came out of his mouth are unparalleled. And Isaiah has some of the mountaintop scriptures that we find in the Bible. And in Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 3 we read, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. 
And the key verse that I'll spend most time on this morning is verse 3. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Jesus takes these amazing words and uses them as a springboard for his earthly redemptive ministry. The Bible in Matthew and Luke gives us quite a detailed uh, story of the birth of Christ. And then there's almost nothing. We have what we call the silent years till at the age of 12, his parents lose him. And for three days, he's in the temple discussing scripture, asking questions and amazing those that knew God's word. Luke tells us that In Luke 2.40, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Then we have the instance of at the age of 12, and then from the age of 12 to 30, silent years. Nothing is told. We can only assume what happened. And in those years from 12 to 12, when his mind was fertile, already he had a love for God's word. He was absorbed in truth. He could confound those that taught the scriptures. He loved the scriptures and that would have continued. For those silent years, he would have gone to the synagogue. He would have read the scriptures. He would have tried to unravel the purposes and the plans of God. He would have studied human nature. And somehow it would have dawned in his being that he's associated with God's word. And somehow what is happening in his life is the purpose of God for human salvation. He would have seen sickness. He would have experienced every aspect of life. He would have known what it was to work as a carpenter. He would have probably visited those that were unwell. And then at the age of 30, he was drawn to the wilderness to listen to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist baptized him and God then sent the Holy Spirit and God endorsed his ministry with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. From there he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted more than any man. And then he was led by the Spirit to Galilee and then to Nazareth. And on the Sabbath, we're told as it was his custom and lay people could read the scriptures. If they could read, they could participate in the synagogue worship and the synagogue 
uh, reading of Scripture and we're told it was the norm for Jesus to stand and read and, and on this, when he came to Galilee, he, he stood and he read the Scriptures and he read Luke 4, 18 to 19. <clears throat> this is what he read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He began his ministry on those verses from Isaiah, but only from verse 1 and 2, and then he sat down And he said to the congregation, this day, these words are fulfilled in your sight. His ministry began. Now, when we look at the ministry of Jesus as outlined in those scriptures, we find this is the work of salvation. This is the work of redemption. Isaiah 61, 1 to 2 refers to God's work leading up to and including God's saving grace. We're told he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. We're all poor without the gospel. We're told he was sent to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And all these details of his ministry look to his saving work and saving grace. Every one of us have experienced this wonderful work of Christ within our lives as God has brought us into salvation. This all has to do with the completed work of salvation, which brings us into relationship with God and brings us into the spiritual dimension. Now, when God saved us, and we all have a wonderful story to tell, God brought us into the spiritual world. But unfortunately, we still live in the physical, natural world. And the spiritual and the natural don't always, they're not always that compatible. It would be wonderful if God had saved us and took us straight into heaven. Didn't have our Christian walk, but directly into his presence. But no, God saves us. And then God empowers and keeps us and helps us live in two worlds. Now, this is where we come to Isaiah 61 and verse 3. And this refers to God's provision after we're saved. God saves us and we we, we see the spiritual world. We, We talk to God. We have fellowship with God. We think everyone will see the difference in our lives. We think everyone will be interested in the spiritual world. We think maybe that everything now will just go beautifully. There'll be no problems. There'll be no difficulties in life. There'll be no sickness. We've found God. We're in the spiritual world. How many of you know that's not 
how it is. We all know that's not what it is. And so God makes a provision and Isaiah tells us about that. And God makes the provision where he makes a trade-off with the difficulties of the physical, natural world empowered by the powers of the spiritual world in which we live. And in verse 3 we read, to give them beauty for ashes. That's God's trade-off. What a wonderful trade-off where there's ashes and all that ashes represent that we'll see in just a moment. God says, you'll have ashes in the natural living world, but I'm going to trade those. And for those ashes, I'm going to give you beauty. And then God says that he'll give the oil of joy for mourning. Every one of us have mourning in our lives and have been through seasons and and life is such that a part of life is mourning, but God knows that's the case in the natural world. And he comes with the power of the spiritual world and our ability to tap into it and he says that he will trade off, he will exchange mourning for the oil of joy, for the oil of joy. And then he goes on to say that for the spirit of heaviness or sadness. And there's not one person here this morning that's never felt that, never been sad and never been uh, heavy, never been through an experience that's so hurtful and, and so hard to go through. And that's in the natural world. And God says, I'll trade that off with the garment of praise with the garment of praise. God recognises that we live in two worlds. We live in the natural world with all its problems and, and temptations and, and, and all the experiences of suffering that come with living and disappointments. God knows that. But God has opened the doors to the spiritual world And God has given us access to the wonders of the spirit world to help us walk in the natural world. This is where the natural world interacts with the spirit world. God's provision, our need, God has a provision and God trades off. What we see is unpleasant and hurtful and damaging. God has a trade-off and gives us beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now I want to look at ashes for a few moments. I've lived a lot of my life in ashes. I don't know if you have, I'm sure you've had some ashes. Now, ashes in Scripture talk about failure, talk about disappointment, talk about struggle, talk about the attacks of the devil, talk about uh, uh, missing out on God's best. There's such an array of human failure and human hurt that ashes talks about. And a lot of my life's been ashes. There are times when things just haven't gone as I wanted them to go and 
I find myself in ashes, in ashes. And I'm sure you have, where your dreams have not come to pass. Your expectations have failed. There are people that have turned against you. You haven't been as strong as you wanted to be in a situation. You felt that you've failed God and and you find yourself in ashes. Ashes are the real part of life after salvation. The Bible has quite a lot to say about ashes. Among the Old Testament Hebrews, to sprinkle with or sit in ashes was a mark or token of grief, humiliation, penitence. In fact, Jeremiah 6, 26 said, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Now that's Jeremiah, one of the most remarkable prophets. He came to a place where even with the call of God and the remarkable ministry and he's writing the book of Jeremiah, there were times when he abhorred himself and he repented in dust and ashes. Is there anyone that's never been there? We've all been there. There have all been times where we've looked at ourselves, God, this is not what saving grace should have worked in my life. God, this is not the way I should have acted. This is not what I should have said. And there comes that sense of abhorrence. And we come to that place of ashes. The term ashes is often used to signify worthlessness, insignificance, Vanishing dreams, calamity, upheaval, ruined plans, illness. In the Old Testament, (coughs) it was customary for people to sit in ashes, cover themselves with ashes to express loss, grief over a distressing situation or national disaster. And so ashes were therefore associated with pain, loss, suffering. And at times, sackcloth and ashes were used uh, together as a symbol of penitence, debasement, humiliation before God. Ashes. Every one of us have sat in ashes. And one of the great examples that we have in all of the Bible is the example of Job, And Job was such an upright, remarkable man that God publicly praised him before the heavenlies. He said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? He was remarkable in every respect. And and the devil said, he only serves you because your hand's upon him, because you bless him. Take away your hand and let's see what happens. And the devil comes and he destroys his goods, his wealth. He destroys his children. He destroys everything. And still, Job remains true to God. And then finally, the devil says, let it be skin for skin. Let me touch his body and he'll curse you. And so the devil came and and touched his body and his body was covered with boils And we find a picture of Job in uh, uh, Job uh, 2, 8. 
and he took for himself a potsherd with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. And so Job, with these weeping boils, with all his wealth gone, all he could do was sit in the ashes and he scraped to try to get some relief from the pussing boils on his body. We see Job in ashes, Job in ashes. And in uh, verse 42, chapter 42, verse 6, he says what Jeremiah had said, Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. I don't know if any of us could bear what Job did. But you know, sometimes life throws at us situations of illness, situations of misfortune, situations where what we dreamed, what we planned, what we hoped for, what we worked for, destroyed. And we find ourselves sitting in ashes. God, everything's gone. There's nothing, Lord. There's nothing, nothing left. And so there we have a picture of ashes, and I'm sure in some degree every one of us have been there. And then we have another wonderful story concerning ashes when uh, <clears throat> Jonah went to Nineveh, reluctant prophet, and said, yet in 40 days, God's going to judge and destroy you. He never wanted to preach. He didn't want to go there. It was probably one of the worst sermons ever preached, one of the worst gospel sermons ever preached. There was no coaxing, no encouragement. God's going to do these wonderful things. If you change your mind and you receive me, he said, 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. The Bible tells us, from the least to the greatest, including the king, they fell down and repented in sackcloth and ashes. And the king said, maybe God will show some mercy. Maybe God will intervene and not destroy us. And that's exactly what happened. Now, when you look at God's word, he's trade off his beauty for ashes. Now, when you look at Job, lost everything, you've got to go to the end. And you can see the beauty that God had brought into his family, his new family, and in his life. And between Job 3 and Job 40, you have Job working through all that's happened and coming to a remarkable revelation of the greatness of God where in the end he thanked God for all that happened. There was beauty that came out of ashes. Now, out of the ashes of, uh, of the city of Nineveh, a whole city turned to God. Now, that's remarkable, absolutely remarkable. You know, we've had villages and we've had towns kind of around the world that have totally turned to God. He had a city of at least a million people that turned to God, repented, and lived for God. Beauty for ashes. And then the last story I, I just want to look at very quickly before I go on 
is the story of Esther and Mordecai and Esther in God's plan had been brought into the royal palace. Haman, the prime minister of Medo-Persia, was so proud and he wanted the Jews to bow down and worship him and Mordecai, the uncle of Esther, refused to bow down worship before Haman. And Haman then began a plot to completely annihilate and destroy the Jews. We see that plot over and over again in human history. And we find that Mordecai comes before the gate and humbles himself and puts on sackcloth and ashes and pleads to God for his intervention. And somehow Esther is able to get the ear of the king and you know the story where a number of feasts take place and, and, and Mordecai, her uncle, had once saved uh, Erxes, uh, the king, from uh, uh, being assassinated. There was a plot to take his life and she brought that up and she said, how would the king reward someone that did this? And uh, it was to have his uh, royal robes and that there were other things and And Haman thinks it's for him and ultimately it's for Mordecai. But what I want to say here is that sometimes there are situations that will drive us to the ashes. Where we fall before God and we need the intervention of God or we're going to be destroyed or our family's going to be destroyed. And this was such a situation. And once again, where you had ashes, God's word says that God will trade off ashes for beauty. Israel, the Jews were saved by Esther. They were saved by the ashes. God revealed His hand. This was a desperate measure for God's intervention. There are times when we need to put ourselves in sackcloth and ashes to move the hand of God. Once again, the end was beauty. Now, living in two worlds, living in the natural world is... Kind of easy, living in the spirit world, the spiritual world is not as easy. Living in both those worlds is quite difficult. And I want to show you with God's trade-offs, I just want to do something that's a little different now. I want to, in a sense, try to open the veil and look into the spirit world. Look into the spiritual world. Look into the world that we can tap and we can receive from and we can receive beauty for ashes. Because that's the way God has has brought us into salvation that in this natural world we have the resources and we can draw on the power of the spiritual world. And I'd like to ask Julia to come as we open the veil of the spiritual world. I'd like her to come to, to heaven's studio. Heaven's studio. And I want to tell you that God is involved in painting and making of us something of beauty. Something of beauty. 
And in God's studio, as I look back on my life and see the many times that somehow life's brought me into ashes, somehow my dreams and things I believed for, somehow they didn't transpire. And then I saw that God would trade off beauty for ashes. And we all know Julie is a wonderful lady that serves God overseas. And I know in that service of God, there are often times, there are often times where things just don't go right. And her last trip overseas, I read every email and and there was illness. There were times when she struggled with authorities. There were times when she was forced to be in ashes. Somehow, some things didn't work. Other things worked beautifully. I think Julie experienced more of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the ministry than she has ever before. And I want to tell you when we're in God's studio and God looks upon us and God sees that at times life has taken us through ashes and disappointment and maybe not gone as it should or maybe just desperately throwing ourselves on the ground in ashes with sackcloth pleading for the move of God in nations. And as God sees that, He sees the pain, he sees the hurt, he sees the effort. And as he paints on the canvas of our lives, he begins to see a picture of beauty. There's more grace. I can see in the eyes now a dependence on me. I can see now a life for for whom my son died becoming in his image. And God exchanges beauty for ashes. He takes all that the ashes have meant in our lives and often we see them in a negative way. But God is able to transpose them into the beauty of the person that he is making. That's living in two worlds. That's living in two worlds. In one world, you've got the difficulties of mission life, the difficulties of serving and all the regulations of government, the different illnesses, the, the sometimes the horrible food that you're not used to, that you've got to eat. And then you've got, as we open the veil and come into God's studio, we recognise that through it all, The hand of God is making something beautiful of our lives. And Julia, God has honoured you with a ministry that brings great blessing to many nations. And that ministry will increase. That ministry will become more powerful. And whatever setbacks may come before you, you will see the hand of God. And you will see the hand of God move even more that you have seen him before. And God would say that he is pleased with your life. He is pleased with the beauty that has come out of your life. He is pleased with the light that shines as you share his truth and love. And the Lord would go with you and bless you and honour you 
and empower you to fulfill the mission he has upon your life. God bless you, Julia. God bless you. Beauty for ashes. Any one of us could have come up here this morning. And any one of us, as we look, God changes beauty for ashes. Can you say amen to that? Amen. 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 God bless you, Julia. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, it doesn't just stop there, beauty for ashes, but we've got the oil of joy for mourning. God does a trade-off, times of mourning. And I want Luke to come up, and I want Luke to come into the heavenly surgery. We're going to open, look into the spiritual world, And we know Luke's a part of the church and ministering, but we know also that Luke has been through seasons of difficulty, seasons of mourning, loss of job and other things that he has testified to. And sometimes when you go through all that, you wonder, God, is it worth serving you? For it appears that all the good I want to do is just falling to pieces and things are going wrong. But God does a trade-off. And God's trade-off is oil of joy for mourning. And I want to say, Luke, that that is what God would give you and the strength of your ministry will not be in your ability, but in your enjoyment of God and in your dependence upon the Holy Spirit. And you will find that he will reveal things. He will reveal strategies. He will empower you. And you will find that the joy of the Lord is your strength and will be your strength. God's trade-off. Oil of joy for mourning. That was supposed to be a little bit more elaborate. (laughs) (laughs) I know Pastor Jono is that he he was he was very keen about the dance, the dance of joy. And then God promises the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And sadness. And, uh, and it's another exchange that God would do. And I'd like to ask. Oh, where am I here? Audrey. I'm sorry, I couldn't read. I knew it was Audrey, but my writing was better. I'd like to ask Audrey to come up. And we all know, once again, where Audrey's coming now into God's workshop. Okay, we had God's studio. We had God's surgery. And this is God's workshop where he makes provisions. He makes things for us. And we've all kind of been touched by Audrey and her husband's experience with the loss of her brother and the heaviness and the sadness that comes out of that and all that she has to go through 
in the natural world. But as she taps into the spiritual world, God promises, God promises to give her a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. This is what God's word says in Psalm 42.5. Why are you in despair, O my soul, and why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. And Exodus 15.2 says, The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. Audrey, through the experience of heaviness and sadness, God has made for you a garment of praise. Its power, its beauty, its ability, you're just beginning to realise. And your openness and development in the leading of worship and blessing God's people with praise. God will continue to enlarge you and bless you because he has given you a garment of praise. Church, every one of us can have beauty for ashes. Every one of us can have the oil of joy for mourning. Every one of us can have a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We live in two worlds. One world is so difficult, but the world God has brought us into has all the resources, has all that we need. And as we come and tap into it, whatever God needs to do for us, He will. And ultimately, we'll be able to come through and bless God with our lives. Can you say amen to that? It's different. I didn't know how it would go. I, I was saying this morning, I'm probably too old to try new things, but could you see the heart of what I was trying to do? I was trying to show you that there is a spirit world. When we open it, it does so much. It does so much for our living in the natural world. Amen? Amen. Now, the lady with the garment of praise is going to lead us in that wonderful song that we were singing. Would you stand and let's praise God. Amen. Well, just before we do, just before we do, God's going to, I just felt, now you can stand. It's all right. You can stand. Yeah. Um, when I was kind of reading up on this, let me just tell you something in the natural, okay? Ashes plus oil plus brine or tears, salty water, mixed together, produces soap, cleansing, refreshing. And isn't it true that so often when we have that breakthrough in God, it's a time of refreshing, it's a time of cleansing, it's a time of... of Enlightenment. It, it's just a wonderful time of refreshing. And so the experiences of life, as we combine them and bring them before God, will bring blessing and refreshing and empowerment to our lives. God bless you. Amen. Thank you.